Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Colorado Rugby. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we have a lot to talk about today. Um, there's there's draft declarations, um, guys going in the transfer portal. Uh, I, I was on a Zoom call with Carl Durrell for probably 40 minutes this morning. Um, a lot of stuff to talk about, including that Carl really was like somber. You know, it, it wasn't like a, a peppy, upbeat conversation i get like you know they they did end the season with a couple of tough losses but that was a few weeks ago and it didn't seem like he totally recovered we're gonna dig into all of that um and everything he had to say uh we're gonna start by talking with um or not talking with but talking about all of the roster changes that have happened um but before we get to that gotta give a shout out to our friends over at colorado rugby who make all of this possible. So, you guys have probably heard me tell you about what's going on at Infinity Park down in Glendale, um, not far away from downtown Denver. Um, but there is a pretty recent twist. What's happening now is that the training center is being designated the Rugby Town National Training Center, which is home of the uh, USA Eagles men's and women's Rugby 15s teams. And what they're doing there isn't just playing, like, uh, rugby matches like they were before. You know, it, it used to be that there was, like, a rugby team, the Colorado Raptors, but they totally shifted. And now that is the big training center, and what they're doing is bringing in athletes from other sports, a lot of them from football, who played um, professionally, played collegiately, um, and think that maybe they could be the next it factor in American rugby. Uh, it's kind of a cool thing. Um, they're really training a whole bunch of elite athletes to play a totally new sport and hoping that that is how you turn American rugby into, you know, one of the national or, I guess, international competitors. Um you guys can follow along, too, with Colton Strickler, our rugby reporter. Um, he hosts the weekly DNVR Rugby podcast, um, and uh, he's doing a bunch of, like, 101 rugby podcasts. He's getting exclusive interviews with all those guys who are part of all the cool things that are going on. Um, there's betting advice. There's going to be watch parties. There's giveaways. A whole bunch of really cool stuff. So subscribe to the podcast, listen in, and uh, pay attention to what's going on with rugby here in the state of Colorado. Okay. So, um, 
probably the biggest news is that Mustafa Johnson just announced that he will not be returning to Colorado next season, and instead he will be going to the NFL. Um, obviously a huge loss for Colorado and obviously like super excited for Mustafa. Um, he has a chance if, if things go well to be a day two pick. Um, I was actually looking through some of the numbers with my barber, which is a weird thing to do, but, uh, he had, I think three hurries per game this season, um, which is really good. Actually, Terrence Lang was a little bit over three hurries per game. I think Carson was right at three hurries per game too. I guess those are pressures, not hurries. Um, but yeah, I mean, three pressures per game. Those are passing plays that you're affecting. And I guess when you have like three of those guys all doing it, that is very nice. Um, just for some perspective though, like J2 Fele, the big defensive tackle from USC who is very good at football. So good. In fact, that he opted out of this season because he knew that he was a likely first round pick, probably a second round pick at worst. He was putting up uh, about two pressures per game um, last year uh, when he when he was playing. Um, and again, it's kind of a small sample size this season. But when you look at what Mustafa's done, there's a lot to like. And you know he doesn't have the the height. I guess it's I would say size, but he has plenty of girth. You know, it's it's mostly just like the the actual height only being about six feet tall that that is going to limit his upside in the eyes of NFL talent evaluators. The thing is, though, that when you look at how often that matters, you know, it isn't all the time. There's guys like Aaron Donald who are about the same height as Mustafa Johnson. And part of the reason he is so good is because he is shorter than the competition. You know, he's going up against guys who are six foot three, six foot five, and he just has the leverage. He has the lower center of gravity, and that's how everything starts for him. And that's how it works with Mustafa, too. Now, not necessarily to an Aaron Donald level, but it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out, especially because of his height. You know, everybody wants to go get the DeForest Buckner type guys, or Calais Campbell type guys who are 6'7", 6'8", and 300 pounds and just have like this incredible length. And that is valuable, especially as run stoppers. You know, when you could reach out and just clog up all these lanes, that is nice to have. For a guy like Mustafa, though, there is something to being shorter. It's a different style of player, obviously, and one that typically isn't as coveted, but we've seen guys his size have plenty of success in the NFL before, and there's no reason to think that Mustafa can't do the same. Um, so excited to see him go, um, but at the same time, that's, that's a key piece that the Buffs will be missing on that defensive line. Um, you know, they, they have plenty of depth, you're no longer saying like, how do we get everybody on the field at the same time? Like if it's a crucial play and you need your three down defensive linemen, you don't have to get stuck saying, ah, I guess Janaz Jordan is going to have to be on the bench for this one. Or I guess Jalen Sami is going to have to be on the bench. And so, I mean, there is plenty of talent to fill in. Obviously, like whoever is playing the snaps that Mustafa would have been playing, probably will not be performing at the same level that Mustafa would have. Um, again, there's there's reason for hope. Uh, there's a whole bunch of young talent. And, I mean, they're in a situation where they have seven guys who've gone out and shown that they can be productive defensive linemen in the Pac-12. Uh, and now 
there's just room for one more guy to join the normal rotation. Um, so while it is a, a tough loss for Colorado, certainly, because that is one of your defensive playmakers, you have enough depth there that it shouldn't be. It, he's not creating any problems necessarily. It's just that you're you're likely going from a, a, a incredibly plus player to a likely plus player. You know, um, it's a downgrade, but not a massive downgrade. Um, there's other news too. Uh, KD Nixon, he is in the transfer portal. Uh, Darian Rakestraw is in the transfer portal. Will Sherman is headed to the NFL. Um, and, and he's another one. I need to go back and watch a, a lot of Will Sherman um, because you can miss things. But what he did this season was very impressive. I think he gave up two sacks this season. I think he gave up two other pressures this season. Um, and that was it. You, you look at where the buffs were most effective running the ball. Like, if you break it down gap by gap, three of the top four gaps in terms of yards per rush were the left end, which is technically the way Pro Football Focus tracks it, like outside the tight end. And um, the left tackle, which is just outside the left tackle, and the left guard, which is just outside the left guard. That's all right around Will Sherman. And that isn't a coincidence. You know, the, the passing numbers are great. The rushing numbers are great. He he does have the prototype NFL size. Um, I mean, you could always be a little bit taller, I guess, or have a little bit longer arms. But... He seems to have all the tools. He seems to have the production. He was part of an outstanding group. And for those reasons, he could be one of the big risers in this draft. You know, as it stands right now, he's probably a mid-round guy. Um, third round? Fourth round? But we're still early in this process, and there's a lot of room for movement. And it could be negative movement as well. Um, but if he sneaks up into the second round, don't be too surprised by that um and we can at least pull for it in terms of what that means for Colorado's offensive line well he should be the only guy who is missing um and the way things worked out with different players rotating in because of injuries and all of that kind of stuff there really were five or, or I'm sorry six offensive linemen who were key pieces and played pretty well um losing Will Sherman that's not the one you want to lose, but you still are left with five others who you like. Plus, there's a bunch of young guys who I think can compete for jobs. Um, and Carl Durrell said there will be a whole bunch of competitions. So the offensive line should be just fine going into next year. Um, definitely like losing your left tackle. The, you, it, you can't downplay it, but at the same time, the Buffs do have good prospects to fill in behind him. Um, Darian Rakestraw? It'll be an interesting one to see where he transfers first of all and also to see how the Buffs replace him. They have a bunch of good DBs. Um, you know, KJ Trujillo, we really didn't see a lot of him last year. He was listed as a safety on the depth chart and maybe this is the opportunity that he needed. Um, we'll see how all the pieces fit together. Do Chris Miller and Mark Perry play at the back end and then maybe you have Makai Blackman in the slot with... Uh, Christian Gonzalez outside and um, like Nigel Bethel or any number of those guys. I mean, you have Jalen Stryker, you have uh, 
I feel like I'm missing one really important one. Doesn't I mean you guys know the DBs? There there, there are plenty of options. You got to fit them in. The one concern I do have is injuries because this is a group that has you know Chris Miller's been hurt pretty consistently throughout his career. Makai Blackman's had his issues, um, and other guys have gotten banged up as well. Once you start taking another piece away after Darian Rakestraw is when you could start finding yourself in a little bit of trouble. Um, there's a chance that all these guys do take the step forward that, I mean, I think it's fair to expect of each of them individually. Expecting it to happen with all of them is unlikely. Um, but if that does happen, then this still could be a great group. And it was a very good group last year. I mean, they, they were first in opponent completion percentage in the Pac-12. They were first in opponent pass rating in the Pac-12. Um, you look at the other sorts of stats, the efficiency stats, the sacks, all of that. Like, it, things went well in terms of pass defense for the Buffs, and that really shouldn't change too much, I wouldn't think, without Darian Rakestraw back there. And then Katie Nixon, the other big name. Actually, there's uh, Jaron Mangum left, too. We'll get to that, I guess. Um, but Katie Nixon, um, wish him the best. He's in the transfer portal, which I think is what's best for everybody. I, I, there, there was enough put on tape by the young receivers to know the direction that the Buffs should probably go. When you have so many young players who are playing at such a high level, you got to put him on the field. Like you, you can't keep Brendan Rice off the field next year. You can't keep Levante Chenault off the field next year. I mean, Dimitri Stanley, of course. And then you've already filled basically all the receiver spots on any given play. Obviously, there will be rotation. That means that guys like Maurice Bell, who deserves opportunities, will be in there. Um, and then it's the same crew that we always talk about. Who, who is going to step up and take whatever is left over? Is it Daniel Arias? Is it? Um, uh, Jalen Jackson is it uh, some of the young guys like Keith Miller or um, Chris Carpenter or uh, Montana Lamonius Craig you know there, there's so many guys who you expect to be worthy of playing time um, that I mean losing Katie Nixon it sucks um, because he's a good football player but he didn't fit perfectly you know the I think where he needs to go is somewhere where they'll line him up in the backfield a little bit, you know, run him on a whole bunch of jet sweeps, do a whole bunch of those sorts of things and get the ball in his hands and see what happens. Let him go make a play. At Colorado, there's just too many playmakers um, to be dedicating a portion of the offense to those manufactured touches to get the ball in his hands. Um, you just don't need it. But there are plenty of teams like, uh, let's see, Let's say, like, a Stanford would never do that. Um, not USC, not... I mean, maybe UCLA next year. They could give Katie Nixon a, a bunch of touches. Like, Arizona, definitely. Like, they just need any sort of offensive identity. Like, they're looking for just ways to use the 60 or 70 plays that they're going to run in any given game. And if they can just say, okay, we don't have to worry about... 10 of them because we're doing jet sweeps to KD or uh, screen passes, those sorts of things. I think that that would be very valuable to them. Whereas Colorado has too many playmakers and not enough plays, not enough times to give each of them the ball. Um, and so that sort of offense just doesn't quite work um, in Colorado. 
And so I do think that Katie Nixon will go somewhere um, where they're short on receivers and be an important part of an offense, which, I mean, at, at this stage of his career and given the talent that he has, that's what he should be. Uh, he should be a, a key piece of a bad Power 5 offense or a, a below-average Power 5 offense. Um, and, I mean, th that's just based on what we've seen recently. If he does take the step that we've been talking about for a, a year and a half now probably – then yeah, there's there's even bigger opportunities, and and he could be a part of an even better offense. Um, so those are my thoughts there. Um, in terms of what it means for Colorado, not all that much at this point, just because there are so many guys you can put out there, and because you didn't see him all that much last year. You know, he was rotating in and out when he was available. Um, wish him the best. And there's one more who is leaving off the top of my head. I guess Mike Chandler, too, who we've talked a lot about on this podcast um, because he was one of my favorites, the walk-on true freshman quarterback. Um, he's headed off to find somebody uh, or a better role, probably taking a step down a level, maybe even to the FCS level where he would certainly get opportunities. Um, sucks to see him go. Wish him the best. Um, Jaron Mangum, he he has a lot of tools. And I think that there's a good chance that he's a volume back. You know, he's somebody who you just need to feed over and over and over again. And, you know, the, the first time you give him the ball, he gets two yards. And the second time, it's a little more than two yards and then two and a half. And, and by the time that he runs into the middle linebacker for the fifth time, the middle linebacker's getting knocked backwards for another yard and a half. And all of a sudden, late in games, he's putting up five yards of carry, closing things out. You, you know, that sort of running back. Um, and he wasn't able to be that at Colorado. You know, Jarek Broussard is getting as many touches as he can handle because he's just too good not to. And that means Jaron, when he is in the game, he hasn't had a chance to just bully the defense. Um, and, and, and that's when things go well for him because there still are questions about the vision and the patience and the explosiveness. And I think that for a lot of running backs, all that stuff just kind of clicks at some point. And so I'm not too worried about that happening for Jaron. I just don't know that he was going to get the opportunities to to be successful here or that he would get enough opportunities to get to the point where that shift happens and, and he does kind of figure things out. Everything clicks for him. Um, with Alex Fontenot coming back, with Ashad Clayton still right there, I mean, that's too many guys already. I mean, still. Um, in terms of what this means for the buffs, I mean, he was, he was their power back and that's how they used him. And even with Fontenot back, who knows, there was a good chance that Jaron would have continued to be that power back. Um, he wanted a bigger role. I, I think Ashad Clayton should be able to fill that role next year. And who knows? I, I'm excited to see Alex Fontenot next year. I, I wonder what will be different about him. Cause I don't think he's going to be the same player. And you hope that that doesn't mean he's lost some explosiveness because of the torn ACL, but that's on the table and something you have to like keep in mind. There's no guarantee you return from injuries and, you know, grain of salt with everything. But also, if, if he's getting to the point where he's getting close to recovered and gets to add a couple of pounds and be a little bit bulkier, I think that that would serve him well. Um, especially when he's being paired with Jarek. Um, you look at the way Alex Fontenot runs just 
not slow because you never want to say a running back runs slow. That's just not a nice thing to say, but, but patient and he sees things develop. And when somebody tackles him, he's going to see that guy coming and he might not just totally bounce off the tackle, but he's at least going to get the angles right. So that he falls forward and picks up as many yards as possible. And if he could do all that stuff with another 10, 15 pounds on him without losing his burst, well, then that's when I think you start to look at him as an NFL sort of back. Um, what he was doing before was impressive, but just not quite enough to get over the hump. Uh, that, and that's a tough hump to get over. Like that, that difference between being inside of round seven and just outside of round seven is so slim because because when you look at the draft it's like a pyramid you know you have like your trevor lawrence right there at the top and at that very elite upper level the very top of level of the pyramid well it's pretty thin because there's just one guy who's that good and then as you start to go from there i mean just talking quarterbacks it's like justin fields or zach wilson i'm not so sure maybe trey lance is in there but then you have the mac jones the trey or kyle trask you know everything just kind of expands and by the time you get down to you know just almost being good enough to getting drafted you are competing with like 500 people who are also right there maybe not 500 probably 100 people who are just like uh i can almost convince a, a gm to take a shot on me and you know, that, that's where Alex Fontenot falls because there are so many running backs. And even though he was one of the more productive running backs, he was the second leading returner rushing or returning rusher in the Pac-12 this year, just needs to kick it up one more gear to get to the next level. And I think that splitting reps with Jarek is going to be good for him. I do think he's going to be good for him. Um, we're going to talk more about that. And what that split's going to look like, because Carl Durrell talked a little bit about that, and about our guy Dion Smith, too, in that room, who's going to be back from injury. Um, but first, gotta say a quick word about um, the people who make this podcast happen. Um, and one of those, I guess not people, but entities, is Hassle Cattle Company. Um, Hassle Cattle Company makes incredible meat. I guess it doesn't make them... They, they raise the cattle and then turn them into food. I don't really know. That's not really the interesting stuff, I guess. Um, but their Wagyu beef is world-renowned. Um, they've, they actually are the official stake of the World Food Championships. So that tells you something right there. Um, there's like 1,500 chefs from 45 states and 20 countries. Um, it's the Super Bowl of food sports. And again, Hassle Cattle Company is the official stake of the world food championships. Um, they do all sorts of that kind of stuff. They've, they've provided 850 ribeyes for the shed steak cook-off. Um, that's actually the most ribeyes ever at an event. And it's in the Guinness book of world records. You know, if all your favorite football players probably order food from hassle cattle company, um, it's just, it's just good stuff. Um, they have uh, meat sticks with three flavors, original, sweet and spicy, and jalapeno cheese. Um, just so many awesome options, um, and it's all like really good, high-quality Wagyu beef. Um, right now, you can use the code DMVR10 for 10% off your order, um, and uh, you also will get free shipping. So check it out. You will not be disappointed. Also... 
gotta say a quick word about DraftKings. Uh, we love DraftKings at DMVR because they make watching sports make you money. Like, like it's a it's a great deal if you're good at it. And so why not try and see if you uh, can beat the books? Because when you do, it does feel really good. Um, and if you do it well, you know, you pretty consistently, you can make some money. Um, now is the time to jump in, though, um, because DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is offering all new players the chance to bet on any of this weekend's professional football games at 100 to 1 odds. That's right. All you have to do is bet $1 on any football game this weekend, and if your team wins, you cash $100. While we're all excited for football, let's also not forget about the 2021 basketball season, which has already tipped off, and you can be making bets on it right now over at DraftKings. Uh, There's daily odds boost. There's specials like the one that I just mentioned. So make sure that you... Jump in because it's a lot of fun. Um, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get 100 to 1 odds on any football game this weekend. That's code DNVR for new players to get a shot at $100 on any football action this weekend for a limited time. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. So, um, like I said, it was about a 40-minute call with Carl today. Um, He had a lot to say um, about a whole bunch of different topics, from Nate Landman to the transfers to the um, Matthew Slater (laughs) to all sorts of different stuff. And I'm thinking I'm just going to start at the top, and we'll just make our way through, and we'll probably pause and take a break here at some point. But it's a lot of good information, and it was good to hear from Carl. Actually, let's start with that. It was it was kind of interesting that the tone wasn't the tone that I really expected. Usually, like, end of season, it's like, okay, let's wrap it up, have a good time. And maybe, who knows what was going on. Maybe, maybe he just heard, like, that Mustafa wasn't coming back. Or, you know, the, all those transfers are kind of adding up. I don't really know. But it did seem like he was still in that same place where he was taking the Texas loss hard. And he was asked about that, and he said, yeah, like, we have a long ways to go. And we learned that we had a long ways to go the day we played Texas. And essentially, that's, like, not a a good thing to have to learn. Um, Let's jump in. So, uh, he did mention that six guys from the new recruiting class are on campus. They're competing for a a chance to be contributors next season. Um, and that's exciting. Um, and he said like last year has nothing to do with this year. It's 2021. We made some positive steps last year. Um, and we're going, going to get better in a lot of ways. Uh, we're hopeful for this full season we get to play. We're hopeful for spring practice. Um, and so there is some positivity there. Um, he was asked about the transfer portal, of course. And he said, this year has been difficult in a lot of ways. There were opt-outs before the season. We had opt-outs at the end of the season. Um, and, and, there's just different circumstances that everybody who's entered the transfer portal has gone through. Um, sometimes it just wasn't a good fit. Um, sometimes there's like family stuff. Um, you know, just if your goals and aspirations don't match, then that can cause not problems, but just a realization that you should go your different ways. Um, and that's basically what he said. He didn't really want to get into details on all of them. Just said everybody's going through whatever they're going through. 
and had different opportunities that they thought it was best to take. And in a lot of cases, they were right. And Carl did say, like, he's already been talking to a bunch of coaches about these players, and he's trying to help them find spots to land. Um, and it did seem like everything was pretty amicable. So that's what you want to hear. Um, he was also asked, so if, if you are a ways away and you do need to get better, where do you need to improve? And he said, everywhere. Um, we came out like gangbusters to start the season, especially offensively. Um, and then offensively, we like we tailed off at the end of the year. Um, and, and right now, what he's doing is going through and evaluating all that, figuring out why it happened, um, identifying the positives, identifying the negatives, um, and um, then figuring out how to make it better. Defensively, kind of the same thing. Um, he said they did well in most circumstances until the last two games. Um, the injuries didn't help. They kind of limped into the finish line. But again, the staff goes through everything with a fine-tooth comb, and that's the process that they're going through right now. Um, he talked about himself a little bit doing that, um, specifically like on his own, You know, just kind of spending a few a few days, 10 days going through everything, looking at everything and saying, where is our program? What do I need to do with this program to make it better? And it, it did kind of, I don't know. It, I had never thought about how I would go about the kind of early post season, like early off season, maybe is a better way to say it. Um, but he did kind of, it sounds like, lock himself off a little bit and go through everything himself and come up with his own ideas and say, here's what we need to do. And then he goes through and communicates it. And obviously everybody's doing their own research, all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's basically been what's going on. And that's why we've seen things like Tyson Summers get fired this week, which seemed kind of late considering the season was a while ago. And he said he's still going through. And so if there are more changes, don't be surprised by that. Because they're still, it seems like, in this process of figuring out what they know and figuring out what they can do with it. Um, he did say that they're looking at candidates from from inside the program and from outside the program when it comes to defensive coordinator. He says that they've gotten a lot of interest in the job. It, it's a job that people want to have. Um, and that's what you want to hear. And it's not a huge surprise, but Colorado isn't always seen um, in a positive light nationally. And so there, there was a little skepticism whether coaches from around the country would say, yeah, this is a really good defense and I want to come be the coach of it because I think that it's going to do well. And because of that, I'm going to look good and I'm going to have even more career opportunities. Um, that's what's going on. That's joint here. He also said that um, when it comes to the strength coaching job, that they're really kind of wrapping up the process. It sounds like maybe they've got it narrowed down to a couple of guys that they're picking between, or maybe it's even one guy and they're working on a contract. Um, but he did say he said, oh, what did he say? Um, don't be surprised if there's an announcement in the next couple of days. So stay tuned for that. Um, anything else? Uh, when he, well, I guess when he was talking about the new defensive coordinator, he did say that, you know, that they want somebody who can move the defense forward. Um, he thinks that there's a number of things to fix and re-examine. And here was a line that I thought was interesting and tailored to the skills of the players in our program. Uh, again, I'm not sure why Tyson Summers was fired, um, but I don't know. 
that was one line that kind of stood out to me. It's like, did did Tyson Summers build the defense to fit the players? Not really, um, because that's like a scheme, and maybe that's a thing. I mean, I don't think that a lot of guys were put in positions where they couldn't succeed. But, you know, when somebody gets fired, whenever you hear lines like, you're looking for a guy who can tailor the defense to the skills of the players in our program, you got to apply that to Tyson Summers and see if maybe that was the reason. Um, yeah, he said it was 10 days of just him evaluating um, things he wants to do to move forward. She's still going through it. Um, oh, here's a good line. I just want to make sure that when we line up in 2021 that we aren't the same team we were in 2020. Um, he says that they're hoping to start spring practice at the end of March, run it through April. Um, again, they're more than anything, just hoping that it stays on the calendar. They don't have to cancel it. Um, um, he talked about the plane ride home. Actually, I mean, he was asked about the plane ride home because he did kind of mention it a little bit. And he just said like, what was it like? What'd you do? And he said, uh, he just thought about how far they have to go. He said it was a good measuring stick for us and we're not close to where we need to be. Uh, we're trying to find the adjustments that need to be made. So there you go. I uh, was asked whether the Pac-12 has an image problem. And he, he thought about it a little bit and said, yes, there's an image issue, um, but I can only control what I can control. And I'm going to do the best I can at Colorado to help solve this problem. Um, and for me to change the narrative, I need this program to meet the expectations that we're putting on this program. And yeah, I, seems right to me. So let's move on. I was asked whether Nate Landman is going to be ready to play next season, which is a big question. Those those injury recovery times can take a while for the Achilles. Um, he said that it should be seven to nine months, um, and he said it's doable. Um, now it's going to depend on how well his rehab goes. We do think they should be ready to go at the start of the fall. Um, and he also said, you know, the things you expect him to say, like, if anybody can do it, Nate can. Um which isn't wrong, but a little cheesy, maybe? I don't know. Um, he, he did talk about how it's nice that they're going through the coaching search right now for defensive coordinator instead of on February 23rd with spring ball on March 16th. Um, and he thinks he, he has more time to think through what he's going to do there. Um, on the quarterbacks... This is uh, some interesting stuff, um, which means we should take a quick break so that you can think about what he could potentially be saying about the quarterbacks today. Um, and while you think about that, let me tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-infused coffee that is really changing lives. Um, if you have anxiety, if you have body aches, if you have like migraines, there's so many things that CBD has helped people with Odds are there is something wrong with you that CBD can fix. Um, that's just why people are so excited about it. And what better way to put CBD in yourself than through coffee? Something everybody drinks every single day. It's so easy. You don't even have to worry about your CBD because it's just right there. Something that you will do habitually. And it's really good coffee. It doesn't give you jitters. And it just has like a good flavor. Um, the best part is, first of all, you can... Order online right now and save 20% off your first order using the code DNVR20. Or you can subscribe to any product, whether it's the K-Cups or the Whole Beans or the Grounds or any of it, 
and you can get your coffee every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. And you'll get 20% off any product that you're subscribed to every single time. It's a great deal. They'll mail it straight to your door. You'll always have coffee. You don't have to like, like right now, I actually only had a half cup of coffee this morning because I ran out and now I'm just stuck here drinking water and pretending that it's not water. Um, don't be like me. Subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee. It is really good stuff. Okay. Um, so on the quarterbacks, he said that it's going to be a great competition. Um, he was encouraged by what he saw from Brandon Lewis. He said it was fun to see him get a chance to play. And he came out with a positive grade in that game for sure. Um, he wants to see him ride that momentum and, you know, build. Keep building. Get getting better. Uh, he said this spring is all about competition. It's 2021. We're rebuilding this team with the goal of playing our best 11 on each side of the ball. Um, he did say Sam is coming back. Um, and he said that, you know, Sam would be the first one to say that he struggled at the end of the year, but he also came a long way from where he started at the beginning of the year. And Carl thought that that was important to note. Here's an interesting detail because of the off season's shoulder surgery that Sam just went through. Um, he'll be doing little throwing, if any, this spring, um, which means that he's going to be taking a whole lot of mental reps. And if, if he can take advantage of those and handle everything well, then he, who knows? That, that could really help him take a step forward um, next season. Um, Brendan's right there, too. JT Shrout, the transfer from Tennessee, he's going to be competing. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, he was also asked, have you had any time off? And he said, I've had three days off. Um, it's not a lot of time off. Um, but when you're in this seat, your mind is rolling all the time. Uh, you never really feel like you have no cares in the world. Um, and even when you get to spend time with your family, football's still on your mind. Um, he said that part of the reason why he, he's kind of stressed out at this point is because these are the pivotal years. Um, it's the time when you build the foundation for this program and um, someday the program, when it's like where it, where it needs to be, that's when Carl will have more of a chance to maybe find a couple of days off. He did say that his wife is having the time of her life because she just has free time and no kids around and no responsibilities, really. Um, and he's kind of jealous. Um, he was asked about Jarek Broussard and whether he's going to be 100%. And he said, isn't that scary? Uh, talked about the running backs, um, said Fontenot will be back. Um, Dion should be running around a little bit this spring too. Probably not at full speed this spring. Um, but there's really good depth there. Um, Jarek knows he needs to compete for the job and Alex might even still feel like that's his job. He was just hurt last year. Another really good competition. And honestly, when, when Carl said that he was going to enjoy this competition, there was like a almost like a sadistic type of thing to it. almost like it's like yeah like i'm gonna make these guys fight over these reps but he's fired up and that's what football is all about and that's how you get the best out of your backfield he said so um good more competition um let's see uh he talked about getting the call from nate um shortly after the game saying that he was gonna come back um, and he said it was great news because when he saw the phone call, he didn't think that was what Nate was going to be saying. Um, but he said it's going to be good for him to do what he did last year, but for a full season. Um, and he said, you know, he gets me. Um, we're built the same way. Um, we're, we're very passionate. He's passionate about his play and what he does for the team. And I feel that way about getting this team to the next level. Um, so, yeah. 
Um, one more note. Um, and it was about, I, I guess the question was, how much has stuff really changed since the last time you were in college? Now that you have like a year under your belt, um, which is a thing that, you know, Carl gets asked and it's like, okay, well now that you've had a, like your, your first few months under your belt, do you feel like there's much that's changed with college football? And then after that, it's like, Oh, now that you have fall camp under your belt, do you feel like, and then, then he puts something else under his belt and something months else under his belt. And now we're all the way up to here. We're still asking a question, but he, he does always have good insight. And he said, it's very different. College football is very different than the last time he was coaching here. Um, there wasn't like Twitter and all that recruiting was a different process. And he said when he was at UCLA, that's when recruiting really became like a 24 seven like year round type of process and not something that was just like, Oh, it's recruiting season time to go recruit. It's something that you think about all the time. And now that is certainly true. And it's even like grown from there. And he says at the time, like a lot of coaches were complaining about it, like that, that they were expected to just be like constantly recruiting. Cause they didn't like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he told some good stories. Um, including some that like really showed how he approaches recruiting. Um, and one thing that he said was, um, I want as many eyes as I can on a recruit. It's not one coach saying, I want this guy for my position. He says, we want a lot of yeses for a recruit. Um, and he said, I'm not sure that's something that happened here in the past. And then he also said something after that, like, uh, that's probably the last time you're going to hear me like talking about the last coaching staffs. Um, but I thought that that was interesting. Um, and he thinks that by putting, by basically making everybody sign off on somebody, you're making sure that it's somebody who's worth signing because there are a lot of options out there. Um, in case you hadn't heard a lot of high school football teams with a lot of high school football players who would love a scholarship to Colorado. Um, and, and, it was interesting to hear him talk about it because he also talked about, um, you know, needing guys who fit. Um, it's not just like the physical traits or like what they put on huddle or any of that kind of stuff. He says, we need to know what this student is as a person on this campus. And he said, like, we're going to be talking to teachers and talking to uh, the principals and talking to opposing coaches, the rivals coaches and hearing what they have to say about him. Um, and he said like, that's a lot of work and it's very time consuming. Um, and a lot of college coaches don't put that time in, but that's the difference between signing guys who pan out and guys who bust. Um, he talked about, um, Matthew Slater, who, if you watch NFL football, you probably like cursed at Matthew Slater. He's one of the best special teamers, um, consistently like the all pro special teams guy for the Patriots uh, and has been doing this for a decade now, kind of, a, I guess, I think he's listed as a receiver in the NFL, but basically is just there to play special teams and he's really good at it. And he was also a two-star recruit that Carl Durrell signed. He was the last player that you he's uh in one of the recruiting classes that carl had at ucla um and obviously that panned out um ultron verner was another one of those guys um but he did just like talk about how you know at that point matthew slater nobody knew was he a receiver is he a cornerback at that point he was just 17 and in college a young college student his dad was an all pro left tackle um but 
he didn't really have a fit. And they wound up saying, you know what? This is like somebody who works hard and puts in the effort, all that kind of stuff. And he returned a couple of kicks for touchdowns. Uh, he was on the kick team and blew up basically every return. Um, and they just found out that he was the kind of guy that if you put on the field, good things will happen. And so they found as many ways they could to put him on the field and look at the career that he turned into. But he was a guy who was seen as like kind of useless at the time. Um, Altron Werner, another two-star, um, a 4.0 student. Um, but again, heart, determination, work ethic, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's what Carl said is we want to know what makes these guys tick. We're going to vet them thoroughly and we know what types of kids we need. It's good stuff. And, you know, I, I'm not the most recruiting ratings oriented type of person, but I will say that I would, I was hoping for like one four star in this class. I didn't think that was all that much to ask um but we'll see because this coaching staff seems very sure about all of the guys that they've recruited even if when you look at the ratings and the rankings and all that kind of stuff Colorado isn't being portrayed in the greatest light for this recruiting class it's about whether the guys can play football at Colorado and nothing else and we're not going to know the answer for a couple years so even though maybe it doesn't look great does it matter is always a question worth asking when you're upset about something. Um, so that's basically it for today. Just all of that 45 minutes of information. Um, I'll be back. Wow. When will I be back? I don't think until Monday um, there will be another DMVR Buffs podcast. But stay tuned to this feed. That's where it's going to pop up, of course, as always. Um, yeah. Uh, we didn't talk much about the game against Stanford tomorrow for the basketball team. But... There was plenty of that talk in the post-game show from yesterday's game, so go back and listen to that. Um, we'll be breaking it down. Maybe maybe we'll do an earlier podcast. Maybe we'll, I'll try to get Ben on on Sunday or something um, just so it's a little more timely with that game going on. But, yeah. Oh, I did just realize. Also, the DraftKings pick of the week. Can't forget about that. Um, wow. We're going NFL here. We're going to have to pick let's let's see what is what is the lock this week? I feel like the Chiefs are a guaranteed win, but this line says minus 10. Are they going to win by 10? I'm not so sure. Um, Buccaneers Saints Saints favored by 3, Packers by 6 and a half against the Rams. Ravens and Bills. Wow. These are some tough bets. Um you know what I like? I like um, I like the Packers. You know, and here's the thing, is I really don't love the Packers, but where I'm at is it just seems like they kind of fall apart occasionally. Like, like sometimes they just don't play well for no good reason, and they beat themselves more often than they, they get beat by other teams, which means that that could happen this week. When they're at home, though, I think they should be fine especially when they're going up against a Rams team that should be pretty scrambled. They, they lose the quarterback they're playing to start. It's Jared Goff starting now, just uh, still recovering from a thumb surgery. It's supposed to be 13 degrees at Lambeau. This just feels like a, a pretty big Packers win. Um, 
And I think that that is probably the best bet of the weekend is Packers minus six and a half. So that will be your DraftKings pick of the week. Um, all right. I'll see you guys either sometime this weekend or, the, you know, if you guys watch the tailgate, I'll see you tomorrow. Um, if not, probably Monday. Um, go Buffs, I guess. I don't know. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we station, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh -huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey, hey. Hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.